We just came back from a couple days of, they call it prayer conference. And a couple things happened at prayer conference that really, it was wild. Number one, several people spoke about prayer. No, normally they don't do that. And there were some challenges that came. There was one morning when Dina wasn't feeling well and she had stayed back with Ella. I came back and she said, how was that? Like, I couldn't even put it into words. Like, this guy got up in front of a bunch of pastors and just shredded us. I, like, I was just sitting there thinking, this is brutal. But it was the best kind of brutal. And so I'm praying and I'm processing these things. And I'll be sharing tidbits here and there. But one thing that happened at prayer conference, it happens often. So church of God, assembly of God, you name it. You go to things and someone will get up sometimes. They will say, today I'm going to be speaking about blank. And here's my scripture. And I'll start with a scripture, you know. And then they will not speak about that the whole time. And it's really good, but they'll never speak about it. And so we had one of those things happen. And so I got into the word after that because I'm thinking, man, that really got the wheels turning and there's something there that I've got to get a hold of. So today, that's where we are. Before we end this service, here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that we pray for what's going on right now with the Ukraine. There was a video that was posted of people in a Ukrainian church. I don't know if you saw the video. They were singing the Carrie Job song, The Blessing, where they repeat, Amen, Amen. And it was so powerful. And as we were there at this prayer conference, there was a request that came forward. The church we're part of, the denomination, has three orphanages in the Ukraine. One of those orphanages had 200 children that they were desperately trying to move across the border. Let's pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray protection. I pray your hand of protection for everyone who is caught in the middle of something that they did not ask for. I pray right now that you would confuse the devourer. Utterly confound those who are coming against the innocent. Lord, I pray that the miraculous would happen, God. I pray that those who place their faith in you just like we do, who gathered in churches just like this, that they may be on the run right now, that they may be in a train station right now, that they may be hiding out, that, Lord, your spirit would be just as strong and just as real. And Father, I pray for your peace to rule. I pray for your peace because your peace supersedes that of politicians. 
Your peace supersedes that of sanctions. Your peace is something that brings about change that no one, no one knows. And Father, I pray right now that that leader would begin to know the fear of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. that we need a sermon, huh? Anybody have anything? <laughs> we live in a fallen world as evidenced by what we just prayed about. You look around and the love of many has grown cold. You look around and it seems like there is evil in any direction that you look. A world that's fallen, that's away from God. Today I want to speak about a man named Josiah, going to be speaking out of Second Chronicles 33 and 34. I want you to understand that change is possible and that revival is possible. Josiah was known as a boy king. We will go into that more in a little bit. He was eight years old when he took the throne. His father's name was Amon. He was an evil man. His grandfather's name was Manasseh. He was an evil man. His father had ruled for two years before he was assassinated by his own people. The Bible says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. He sacrificed to the carved images which his father had made. He served them. So you have this young boy who doesn't have much of a lineage, much of a heritage to speak of. He does have a crown on his head, but imagine that at eight years old. I was about the newest Star Wars figure at eight years old. That's what I was about. Still am. <laughs> when Josiah was eight years old, he became king. He would reign for 31 years. I want you to understand that the past does not determine the future. This is huge. And it's something that I woke up last night and God was just, it was echoing in my head. So what the enemy is going to try to do is the enemy is going to try to show you the worst version of a slideshow of your past on repeat. That's what he's going to do. He's going to try to get in your head, and he's going to try to paint a grim picture of the future. What you need to understand is you have an all-powerful God who walks beside you in the present. In the present. And so any time that things come up, you can just remind the devil, you know who I walk with. You don't want to make my father mad. Step away. Step away. The present is where faith is alive. It's not talking about a memory, as good as it may be, and it's not talking about what might be, but it's about the present. And so when I think about this boy king, there came a point when he was in the present, when he needed to do things right then. Hebrews 4.12 talks about the word of God. It says it is quick and powerful. Another version of that, the NIV says the word of God is alive and is active. In the moment that you declare the word of God, you are speaking life into a room. 
You are speaking life into a situation. In your prayer, it's important that the word of God enter that. That you are literally praying God's words in a situation instead of leaning on your own understanding. When it comes to this world that we live in, imagine how that little boy must have felt. Imagine people looking at him and you know how it is. Good Lord, when you come to know Jesus Christ, do people like, oh, you know, look at them. So proud of them. Or how many of you heard, we'll see. How many of you heard the doubt more than you did the applause when it came to walking with Jesus Christ? Why would God use this boy to bring about revival? Second Chronicles 34.2 says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the ways of his father David, and he didn't turn aside to the right hand or left hand. Now, did you pick up on something? What did I say his father's name was? His father's name was Amon. This is not a Maury Povich show moment for him. What he's doing is he's not following in the way everyone thinks he would walk, but he's looking for a template of what he knew worked. He heard about David. He heard about how David lived, and he's thinking, I want to walk like that. This is how I want to walk. That's how I want to pattern my life. He knew his father was an evil man, and he thought, no, look what happened to him. He knew his grandfather was an evil man. He think, look what happened to him. Look how their names stink in the noses of people. The New Living Translation says he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Right there, as we've talked for the past couple of weeks, he did. A little... Follow up on where we were with evangelism. D.L. Moody once held a revival. He sent people home after he gave a call to salvation and he told them to think about it. Shortly after that, the great Chicago fire happened and many people lost their lives. No doubt many people that had been in that very meeting. D.L. Moody determined that he would no longer wait and that he would move when God told him to move. When it comes to what we're talking about, whether you are 8 years old or 68 years old, it is time to move. Because every time that a crown is placed on our head, there comes a fight. Every time that you go into a new place, there will be a fight. It says in the eighth year of his reign, so when he was 16 years old, when he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of those high places. So the places that his grandfather made, those places where people would go to worship. He tore down wooden images, carved images, and molded images. He broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence, the incense altars that were above them. He cut down the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images. He broke into pieces. He made dust of those things, and he scattered it on the graves of those who sacrificed to them. Notice it did not say he disassembled them carefully and put them away should he ever need them again. Done. Done with it. There are things that are coming up before you in your life and God's saying you need to powder that into dust. You don't need to put it on the shelf anymore because every time you have, you've gone back to that shelf and you've picked it up. 
get rid of those things that are weights. This eight-year-old boy king, this is what's true about him. He had a support system. There was a man named Shaphan. He was a Levite. He was the governor of the city. There was a man named Hilkiah. He was a high priest. They were highly respected men, and they were leaders in their own right. But they made it their mission to see that Josiah succeeded. Let me stop there a minute. Men, I'm coming for you. Fair warning. It is time for us to be present because there are Josiahs that we need to see succeed. It's not about us anymore. It's not about whether we feel like going to church and then it's a victory if we get there. That may sound harsh, but it's real. It's about knowing that there is legacy to ensure. It's about knowing that there is some young man who's looking for you or your empty seat on a Sunday morning and wondering what's going on. When it came to this young boy, I don't believe he would have had the success that he had if he wouldn't have had the support system that he had. That's on us. That's where he's placed us in this house. And so what he does to bring about revival, it's very clear. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land, he sent some men, Shaphan, Messiah, and Joah, and he told them, repair the house of the Lord. When they came to the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, which the Levites kept, the doors, they had gathered that, the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, from all the remnant of Israel, from all of Judah and Benjamin, and they brought it back to Jerusalem. When they put it in the hand of the foreman who had oversighted the house of the Lord, they began to repair and restore the house. The first thing that Josiah knew is it had to start in God's house. We talk about revival, but is it starting in God's house? Is it starting here? Because what God's going to do, he's going to say, get the house in order. Get the house in order. Because if it doesn't start in this house, then it's going to be non-existent in this house. And if it's non-existent in this house, then the world doesn't really have hope of ever getting anything from us when it comes to Jesus. It's time for it to start in this house, to restore those things that we know we need to restore. Restoration isn't cheap. Sometimes it means digging up foundations. It requires us to go to places that we may never thought we would go. You may end up running to Home Depot 37 times for the repair job, but that's okay. Give God the glory. Revival, we hear that word. Revival does not mean a full house at Christian Life Church in Mentor. I believe that revival fires will start to burn when the truth of God is preached and proclaimed. I believe that revival is personal before it's ever anything else. If we go into this world and we aren't proclaiming the word of God, then do we want revival? People at this prayer conference talked about the Great Awakening. Talked about the Welsh Revival. We're due. We're due. And I don't want to read about it somewhere else. 
Dania, I don't want to read about it happening somewhere in Canada. God bless them. That would be awesome. I want it to happen here. Not so people can be like, oh, the mentor revival. No, the revival of the church of Jesus Christ that is going to roll over the enemy, that's going to set things in order as they always should have been, that's going to bring the fatherless households back to a place of headship, that is going to call out people in the five-fold ministry gifts where they start growing in ways they never thought possible. When we say that hell is real and heaven is real and sin will not send you to heaven and it is time for repentance and it's time to quit playing games, I want to hear revival. I want that. That is what we long for. Revival at its core, when you think about it, it's like when someone has passed out and they're laying there unresponsive and someone comes along and they give them CPR and then that person, that gasp, when they sit up, that's where revival is, in that gasp. Because there are parts of me that are not responsive to Jesus Christ. There are parts of me that are laying there right now that just aren't responsive. And they need to be revived. Parts of me that, you know, I'll just, we'll put that over on the shelf in the closet. We'll just leave that there. And I won't deal with that. I'm going to be functionally dysfunctional. And that's going to be okay. And I'm going to amen like the rest of them. But I know I'm carrying about 50% dysfunction. But that's cool. What can be done to prevent the church from not seeing this revival? What can be done? You rebuild the house. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not going to take up an offering for a building fund. The Bible says in Acts 7, 48 to 50, however, the Most High doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. When we walk through those doors with a boldness of expectation... When it's worship time and we're almost pulling people out of the chandeliers. No, for real. You know, like it's just amazing. It always amazes me just when we get in church and we're like, yeah, I can't. But like put on whatever song right now is on the radio and people are like, yeah, it's my jam. Find your jam here. <laughs> Find one here. Choose one, right? Like, like we'll go with that. That's all right. So the Lord's house, when they're starting to rebuild it, something else happens. As they are going and as they're collecting this money, they find something. They find the book of the law. It's back there on a shelf probably. They dust it off. And what brings about revival is the word of God. What brings about revival is the reading of the word of God, the hearing of the word of God, the application of the word of God. When our Bibles, one of my favorite things, and I always think, like when the people that I knew growing up, it seemed like everybody had that Dakes Bible. Foch Hammonds had that Dakes Bible, and there was almost as much of Foch's writing in there as there was printing. Don't need no notebook. I'll write it right here. It is time to break out the word of God. 
It's time to blow the dust off of the word of God. It is time for us to make time to prioritize to get that in our heart. I'm just going to be real. It's time to stop living off the our daily bread and getting your one verse and thinking you've arrived. But I don't understand. I can promise you that we will find you a version that you can understand. In just about any language you want. You know what it means to clean house. I know. There's a difference between kicking the piece of popcorn under the couch and sweeping it up, according to my wife. (laughs) One of my first jobs was at a place called Video Town. Video Town. And at Video Town, we had this manager who would come in. His name was Joe Taylor. Never forget it. They would say the name Joe Taylor. He was a district manager, and just fear went through me. And Joe Taylor would come in, and we would know sometimes. Other times, he'd just show up. Hey, district managers come and make it clean. You know, we're dusting. We're getting everything. Guy would come in the door. No lie, Jeff. He would take out the white glove. And he would go to the most random place. And he'd be like, not there, not there. You know, like getting warm or getting, get away. And he would come up with a dirty finger on the glove. And all of us just knew, like, somebody's getting yelled at, written up, and or fired. Like, it's coming. It's coming. You know what clean means. Like, you got to be willing to know that at some point, it's not just about how it looks on the outside, but what if, what if God did the white glove treatment on what we call clean? Do we have faith? Do we have conviction? It's interesting because you look at the surface of the moon and there are so many craters there, right? When something significant happens, it leaves a mark. When something significant happens in your life, when it comes to the Lord, it's going to leave a mark. And the thing is, we spend a lot of time as Christians trying to cover that mark up that impact mark because we don't want people to think different wear it with pride because if God has had a visitation with you and left a mark that's nothing to be ashamed of that's nothing that you need to hide that's nothing that you need to say oh well I'll just I'll just cover that up because I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable here faith and conviction will always leave that impact this child As revival fires begin to burn, it says he reads God's word. He has it read to him. They bring it in this this priest. They're reading it to him. The book was Deuteronomy. The book was how God's people should conduct themselves once they are established in Canaan in the promised land. It's amazing for me because whenever I would read the Bible and I would hear about God's people and some of the things they did that were just numbskull, I would always think, how could you fall away? You've seen the miraculous that man can't explain. You have walked with God himself. You have had promises that were so personal fulfilled. So here I am going off on the children of Israel. And you know what God does? He's like, have you seen the miraculous? 
Have you received promises from God and seen them fulfilled? And I just want to crawl under a table because I'm thinking, good Lord, don't let us miss it. Don't let us downplay those things. Don't go two days this week and be like, God, I just wish I could see your hand in something. Tom Sr., that's what I'm saying. The miraculous is happening all around us. Walk in the certainty that God's plan is a good plan. Walk in the certainty that you may not look like everyone else. An eight-year-old king, good Lord, who would even think of that? But then you have this child. As revival fire begins to burn, your list of friends may get a little shorter. Don't let it be because you've become holier than thou. But understand that there are some places God's going to ask you to walk that others may not accompany you. They won't get it. It's not their time. But when those things happen, know that you're getting close to those revival fires. How to build the house? Keep your heart with all diligence. Proverbs 4, 23 to 27, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Don't turn to the right or the left and remove your foot from evil. Stay on the path, keep building, and don't stray. Stay on the path, keep building, and don't stray. Don't think that a brown, comfy seed on Sunday ensures a whole lot for us if we're not committed to it. Know that this requires all in. And you know what all in means. When I was a teen, I was a master of flying under the radar when I wasn't doing good. And I wasn't even, I didn't think I was deceitful. Yes, I was. But I didn't think I was deceitful. I just thought, this is what you do to appear like you're trying. And I think I'm trying, but not, I don't know. That wasn't trying. We know what change and what real revival will look like when it takes place. That book, when it was read, when they brought out the money and they found that book and they began to read it. I'm looking for my note here. Good Lord, I don't even know what happened to my notes. Sorry, Liv, if you're trying to follow. You're not going to find the deep truths of God's word by accident. And I think of that show, Storage Wars. I don't know if any of you watch that. But, you know, Storage Wars, they put that door up, and Lord knows what's in there. Lord knows. I wouldn't do well because the tall people can always see to the back. I'd just be like, I don't know. <laughs> Stuff. You have to dig around to find it sometimes. If your life seems like chaos, I promise that God's word is in there and active. You're thinking it's chaos. God's thinking revival's coming. Find his word. Find his word. It didn't take long for God's people when they forgot about his word to go their own way. But here's what we can't be. We can't be physically alive but spiritually dead. 
I was watching something one day. I get the weirdest things that will pop up like these news stories. They must think I'm so weird. I am. But it was talking about spots in the ocean which lacked oxygen. They called them dead spots. You have this entire ocean, and it's teeming with life, and you would have these spots where nothing could live, and they were just these dead zones. I don't want to be a dead spot when it comes to the things of God, to this church. I don't want to be a toxic person that just rubs off on any who comes around me. I don't want to walk around blaming God. I don't want to do it. It will not get me where he wants me to go. I don't want to be spiritually dead and drifting. I don't want to be in and out of this house as my problems dictate that I should come. I want to be faithful. Back to what I was saying before, it's important for some of those young men and young women who are looking up to us to be here to see us go through things. It's important for them when they see us, like how are they going to carry that burden? Because I promise you, if anything marked my life at a young age, it was that. Didn't know much as a kid of things that went on. But you knew when it was heavy in the room. And you knew when people were going through things. And what said a lot is when they were there, the next service. And the next service. And when you looked over and their hand was raised during worship because they were giving it to God. That spoke to me going to be closing up here in a minute because that's what we should do imagine Josiah's face as he reads these words from Deuteronomy 28 1 he had heard about them, but imagine seeing them with his own eyes now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth And there are 13 more promises just like that from this love letter to this God that loves us and wants us to read those words and apply them. The only thing that will cause a spiritual revival is the word of God. I repeat it because it's so important. One of the men at prayer conference said something and it cut through me. So get ready, I'll share it with you. He said, we need to stop praying lists. I was like, whoa, do tell. He said, we're awfully good at sitting down and taking out our list and almost a now I lay me down to sleep kind of thing of going through. He said, you need to pray the heart of God. Here's my challenge for you this week. When you take time to pray, take a minute. Just be quiet. And ask this simple question, God, what would you put on my heart to pray to speak your kingdom come over right now? What would you pray, have me pray right now? What are you going to put on me? And I guarantee it's going to surprise you. I've been doing that since that man said that. And it is crazy the things that God will lead me to, especially contrasted with what I would have done with my time. And he was saying when we do that, we often make it more about us. Because we get to the end of the list and we're like, yup. (laughs) I placed all of my precious prayers on this list and these people. (laughs) 
But when you pray the heart of God, you'll get up and you'll be crying and you'll be snotting and you'll be moved. I close on this thought. When we were there, that prayer conference, I couldn't help but think about those statistics. 1,400 pastors, ministers, they give up every month. 1,400. How much more so for people who don't hold that title of reverend, you know, because it's tough in the trenches. How many people walk away? How many of our kids are budding atheists coming out of the other end of our church where they sit here and they hear about the power of God, but are they experiencing it? When you feel it, you feel it. Gee, Winterfest felt crazy, didn't it? And it wasn't hype, was it? The revival that's coming isn't hype. It's the power of God leading to repentance. It is the miraculous taking place, and we aren't even going to be able to keep up with it. If you will stand... I want to pray right now a prayer of agreement over this house. You may feel like that boy king right now and thinking, I don't even know what to do. This crown doesn't even fit my head. God begin to direct their steps. When I am done praying, if you are here and you would like special prayer, we will be at the front of this house. Prayer team, be ready. We would love to pray with you. There's no need to walk in here with a burden and walk out carrying it all on your own. Let's pray. Father, right now, I humbly ask you, to see our hearts, God. I pray that you would pour out revival in a way that we have never seen before. Father, I pray that this house would just become electric when we walk in the doors. I pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon each and every one of us. I pray that you would challenge us, us God, individually to do things that we need to do. No more facade, but your glory. And Father, for whoever is here that feels like they just can't measure up, I speak to that shame right now. Say, devil, you're a liar. God, I pray that this would be a house where hearts are safe. In the name of Jesus, amen.